0: In our study of the New Testament, and specifically in our study here in Luke's Gospel, we see very clearly our call not to just be informed about Jesus, not to just be familiar with Jesus, not even just to be believers in Jesus. But we see in Scripture, we see in Luke's Gospel, we are called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Very simply, very plainly, we are called to be disciples. Jesus calls for disciples. Remember in Luke chapter 14, uh, we see the priority that Jesus must hold. In fact, he is the priority for a follower of Jesus Christ. He is to be the priority for his disciple. Also, if you remember in Luke chapter 14, we see Very plainly laid out for us the cost of discipleship. That honestly, it costs everything to follow Jesus as his disciple. The Bible says we take up our cross and we die to ourselves, and having died to ourselves, we then live totally. For Jesus Christ, understand there is to be no half committed, half hearted, half invested disciple of Jesus Christ. The cost is everything and that is the expectation that Jesus sits. Well, here's the problem today. Here is the issue today. A whole bunch of us have bought into the lie that we can be devoted to Christ but also be devoted to the world at the same time. We believe that we can somehow be partially committed to Jesus Christ and then we can go back to our lives and we can be partially committed to the things of the world as well. And Very sadly, we have, and maybe the church has, lowered the standard of what it is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus said to follow him, we totally follow him. We fully follow him. We have died to ourselves and we live for him. And so the question for us today as we move into this new chapter, the question for us today as we move into this study is how then devoted of a disciple are you? How devoted of a disciple are are you Now, as quick as I say that, some of you may say, well, oh boy, here's, a, here's another message to make me feel like I'm not good enough. Here's another message to make me feel like I'm not committed enough or somehow I'm not doing enough. Well, I want to tell you my prayer is that we would hear this differently today, that we would be challenged differently today. Because you know what? You know what the best thing that could happen in our homes is? You know what the best thing that could happen in our families, the best thing that could happen in our marriages, and you look at the home today and you look at marriages today, you know what the best thing that could happen in our homes, you know what the best thing that could happen in our town And in our nation, we look at our world, our nation today, you know the best thing that could happen there? You know the best thing that could happen in the church today? The best thing that could happen is that people that are saved by the grace of Jesus Christ started living as totally sold out, committed followers, disciples of Jesus Christ. That would be an awesome thing. That would be the best thing for your home. That would be the best thing for our church. That would be the best thing for our world. Not some duty, not some drudgery. It would be an absolutely awesome thing. Our message today is entitled, Sold Out Sons of Light. Sold Out Sons of Light. We're in Luke chapter 16. We're gonna look at the first eight verses today. Luke chapter 16, today, verses one through eight. I'm gonna ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's holy word. Chapter 16 begins and it says this. Now, he was also saying to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager and this manager was reported to him as squandering his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an accounting of your management, for you can no longer be manager. The manager said to himself, what shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. Verse 4, I know what I shall do, so that when I am removed from the management, people will welcome me into their homes. And he summoned each one of his master's debtors and he began saying to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. And his master praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly for the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dearly, Father, we come today and I come today and we just praise you. I worship you. I thank you that you are the anchor that truly does hold. I praise the name of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for him as my Savior, as my Redeemer. As the Lord and the Master, I praise the name of Jesus. I lift his name high above every other name. We come today and I'm thankful for your word. And that through your word you teach us and you train us who Jesus is. And what our problem is that's broken our relationship with him. And how we would ever enter into a relationship with him. And what that looks like for a follower of Christ. And then what that looks like as you come again. I'm thankful for the truth of your word that you teach us through it. We come now as we begin to study your word on this day, I pray that you would open our ears and you would open our hearts and you would truly speak to us today. I pray that the result wouldn't be that we would just be educated, but that we would be changed, that we would be different. Again, I pray that we would receive your word in the manner that you intend today. We come also and just tell you again, we love you, we praise you, we exalt you, we worship you. We ask that you'd move in the remainder of this service, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In the Bible, we are told of two different systems. We're told of the world's system, and we're told of God's system. There's the world's system, there's the world's way with its priority set with its goals, with its definition of, su- of success. And then there is God's system. There is God's way with a different priority set, with a different focus. And we are told in God's word that these two systems do not mix. We are told according to God's word that the two systems, in fact, are in opposition to one another. These two systems, God's way and the world's way, they are in conflict with one another. Well, again, our problem is, I believe, we try to somehow grab on to God's system when it comes to issues like salvation or or eternity or provision, what God can give to us in those issues, we come and we try to, to grab on to God's system. But at the same time, we try to keep one hand in the world system. And while we're grabbing on to God's system, we also want to operate in the things of the world. And we want to secure the things of the world. And in our day today, that has resulted in, that has built a hybrid type of disciple, which according to Jesus, is really no disciple at all. Now, let me tell you where I see this happening. You can talk about a lot of different examples Maybe it's the stage of life that I'm in right now, but, but let me tell you where I see this happening. For those today who are raising kids, we want our kids to be followers of Jesus. And if we took a poll across this room, in fact, if we probably took a poll across our town today, we would want our kids to put their faith In Jesus Christ. And we would want them to be involved in the church. We would want them to be in the children's ministry, in the the youth ministry. We'd want them to be involved in the things in the church. We would hope that they would be able to profess and to defend and to know the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And that, that truly is our desire. But also, we want our kids to fit into the things of the world. We want our kids to fit in into the world, and that's honestly the truth today. In fact, I'll just tell you, I think we're almost scared that our kids won't fit in. We want our kids to have the same experiences as their peers. We want them to dress the same as the style of their peers. We want them to to watch the same things and to listen to the same things and to, to be able to do the same things as their peers. And I believe we're scared that our kids might not fit into the world in which they exist. And we can say different, but I believe that's the truth today. I see that today. Let me just tell you this morning, my conviction, let me tell you what I desire as the father of a 14-year-old daughter And two sons in the fifth and the second grade, my desire, and you listen to me today, my desire is that at Calvary Baptist Church, through the influence of Calvary Baptist Church and led by the word of God, that we would produce sons and daughters that are not in love with the things of the world, not in love with the popular culture of the world, not in love with themselves, but we would produce sons and daughters who follow Jesus Christ and look like Jesus Christ and love our Savior Jesus Christ. And I'll just tell you, we need to get to the point today that if our kids stand out, we would say, praise the Lord, we must be doing something right. We ought to have the courage to raise kids that do not fit in, and that we would join them also in not fitting into this culture. The Bible says there are two systems. There's the world system, and there's God's system, and we cannot operate in both. Jesus teaches today, we move into a parable. It's actually gonna lead us into three different lessons. But Jesus teaches in the form of this parable, one of the ways that we can evaluate which system that we are serving is by looking at our effort, where we invest our time, and where we invest our wealth, how we spend our money. And I'll tell you, I think it holds true today as well. If you want to know what system you're operating in, if you're operating in the, the world system, or if you're operating in God's system, you look at where you're spending your time. You look at where you're spending your money. And Really, we're going to see here, these are pretty good indications of whether we are a disciple of the world or whether we are a disciple of Jesus Christ. Let's look at our verses today. Chapter 16, beginning in the first verse. Says this. Now he was also saying to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager, and this manager was reported to him as squandering his possessions. Bible tells us here that Jesus, on the same occasion that he had just address the scribes and the Pharisees with the three parables of Luke chapter 15, he now turns and he addresses his followers. He addresses his disciples also in the form of a parable. So understand this is a continuation of what's going on in chapter 15. This is a continuing on of what he's been saying there in Luke chapter 15. Now, verse 14 says that the Pharisees were also listening. The Pharisees could also hear, but we see here he has now turned and he is addressing his disciples. He is speaking to his disciples. Now, see the picture. Jesus says there was a rich man who had a manager. This manager was a person who handled his affairs. He handled the business dealings of the master. Really, he was an hired agent of the master and he was to care for the master's business. He was to take care of the master's affairs and that is the job that this manager has. Well, the master here, the rich man, Jesus says, here's the report that the manager is squandering His possessions. Another Bible translation says that the manager is wasting his possessions. Now it doesn't say exactly how he's doing that. Perhaps he is stealing them. Perhaps he is embezzling them somehow. Perhaps he's using them for himself and for his own gain as he moves along, or maybe he's just a poor manager and he's not taking care of business and he's just wasting the resources. Well, whatever reason, this this owner hears that his manager is squandering his possessions. Look at verse two. And he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an accounting of your management for you can no longer be manager." Verse 2, Jesus continues with the same picture. The owner now hears this negative report, and hearing the negative report, he calls the manager in, and very simply he says, What's going on here? What is this I hear? And he, he asks him to give him an account. Tell me what is, has happened here. Tell me what is going on. And then he says, For you can no longer be manager. Very simply, he fires the manager. Evidently his mind was already made up. Evidently he already had enough information to act. He'd heard enough and he fires the manager. He says, you can no longer be manager. Verse 3. The manager said to himself, what shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, I'm not strong enough to dig. I am ashamed to beg. Verse 3, this manager evidently caught off guard and he begins to ask the question of himself what shall I do I didn't see this coming I thought I had this job secured what shall I do and he says here I'm not able to work and really I'm too proud to beg I think it's very funny here Uh, he wasn't too proud to steal but he tells us he's too proud to beg and so he asked the question what shall I do I don't I don't know what the future looks like what shall I do verse four I know what I shall do so that when I am removed from the management, people will welcome me into their homes. He says, here, I've got it. It's an aha moment. I've got it. I've got a plan. And it's a plan so that people will still welcome me. Really, they will still owe me something. And maybe they will take care of me after my position is gone. Now, see what he does starting in verse 5. And he summoned each one of his master's debtors. And he began saying to the first, how much do you owe my master? Verse six. And he said to him, a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. In the sixth verse, we see here that this guy owes a hundred measures of oil. I see that that's translated to about 800 gallons of oil. He says, Write it for half of that. Write it for 400 gallons of oil. Basically, he gives him a half price discount. Now, notice here in the sixth verse, he reduces the guy's bill, but notice he says, do it quickly. Pretty interesting. When you do something shady, isn't it funny how you always want to do it quickly? Do it quickly, and he cuts the man's bill in half. Verse 7. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. Another customer comes in. He says, how much do you owe my master? And he says, a hundred measures of wheat. That would have been about a thousand bushels of wheat. He says, well, I will settle for 80 measures of wheat, about 800 bushels of wheat. And so he also cuts him a deal. He cuts him a great discount. Now, When he is fired, he hopes that these two customers, these two guys, will remember how he treated them, what he did for them, and they will pay him back. Now, before we move on to the eighth verse, very quickly today, I want to think about this unrighteous manager. And that's what Jesus calls him, this unrighteous manager. Manager. Now be sure today we can't say what the parable does not say, and we can't have a meaning here that Jesus did not intend for the parable to have. But I want us to see very quickly today what is evident about this unrighteous manager, about this crooked steward. Notice a couple things. First, see this. Instead of seeking the forgiveness of the master, he seeks a remedy with the people. Notice that. Instead of seeking forgiveness with the master, he seeks a remedy with the people. Now think about that for just a second. He could have come clean. When his master approached him, he could have laid out all of his misdeeds. He could have confessed it all. He could have asked the master to forgive him. But instead, he goes and he looks for a remedy elsewhere. Second thing we see of this unrighteous steward. He served his selfish cause instead of being faithful to the master's cause. And when we look at his life, that's what we see. He served his selfish cause instead of being faithful to the master's cause. Notice here, it was always about himself. It was always about him. He was never a faithful steward. He was never truly tending to the care of the master's business. He was always serving his own interests. When he had the opportunity and nobody was watching, he squandered those possessions. Then when the pressure's on, he sold his master short in the settling of his accounts. He was selfish in his cause instead of being faithful to the master's cause. It was always about him. Third thing we see in this unrighteous steward And really it shows his perception, it shows his mindset. We see here, he thought it better to be favored by the people than to be deemed faithful by the master. Now that's a big deal, I think that goes to our human instinct. He thought it was better to be favored by the people, to have the applause of the people than to be deemed faithful by the master. We see here, he has no concern for the master's approval. He has no concern for the master who paid him, who had employed him, but rather he thinks it's better to be esteemed by the people. Now let's move to the eighth verse. I'm going to look at the first half of the eighth verse. It says this. Jesus continues on and he says, and his master praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. Now listen, it kind of sums it up here in the eighth verse. And his master praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. Now I want us to notice two things in the first half of this verse. First thing to notice is this. The master, the rich man in the parable, praises him. Now what that means is he really gives him His due. He sees what's going on and he says, you know what? That was a wise action. Now, it may have been self-serving and that may have been worldly wisdom, but nonetheless, it was a wise action. And so he gives the man his due. He says, I see how crafty you were. Well done in your craftiness. But also notice this. The man is still fired. Notice he doesn't offer him his job back. He doesn't mention giving his position back No, the master gives him his due. If that's the system you want to operate in, if that's what you wanted to do, good job in that. But the man is still fired. Second thing to see, and I think it's important for us to see, also be sure today, Jesus doesn't praise him. I think we need to lift that out of there. Jesus in no way praises sin. Jesus in no way praises these wicked acts. In fact, he calls him, An unrighteous manager. He calls him a crook. And I think it's important for us to see Jesus in his life. And Jesus, as he speaks parables, never praises sin. The manager, the owner praised him, but Jesus never praises him. Let's look at the rest of verse 8. I'm going to read it all together. And his manager praised the unrighteous manager because he acted shrewdly. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. Now listen to that very carefully. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. Here's the first point that Jesus makes in the 16th chapter. Listen, get this today talking to his disciples, training his disciples, Jesus is pointing out here, here's the point, worldly people are more diligent to serve a cause that doesn't matter than God's people are to serve the cause, the only one that matters. And that's what Jesus is pointing out. Now listen to that again. He's making this clear to his disciples. He's saying, look here, survey the situation here. Worldly people are more diligent to serve a cause that doesn't matter than God's people are to serve the only cause that truly does matter. In verse 8, notice there, he says, the sons of this age. He's talking about those that are operating in the worldly system. The sons of this age, they act more shrewdly, they are more deliberate in their actions with what they do than the sons of light are, those who are professing to operate in God's system. Folks, here's the question today. Here's the deal today. Maybe it's a time for us to evaluate our personal lives and our time for us to evaluate our church. Here's the question today. Why would we as Christians, why would we as the church be undone and outdone by the lost world? That's the question today. Why would the passion and the zeal of a lost man for the things of a doomed world exceed the passion and the zeal of a person that's saved by God's grace through a risen and resurrected Savior Jesus, a person that's filled with the Holy Spirit of God? That's what Jesus is saying here. You know what? It ought not be so. How can a dead person in a dead world for a dead cause outwork and outdo and have more passion than a person serving the cause of the living God? Jesus says here to disciples, wake up, wake up. Friends, listen to my heart today. I'm gonna be honest with you. Jesus is coming again very soon. If you don't believe me, you look around today, look at the scripture, look at the signs, look at the, the messed up world we're, looking at, we're living in today. Jesus is coming again very soon. Do you understand what that means? Jesus is coming again very soon. Our world is lost. Our world, the majority of it is hurting and they're dying without Christ. As we go through every day, another bunch of them die and they enter into an eternity outside of Christ, an eternity in the reality of hell. But I want to tell you worse than that, when Jesus comes again, they'll be separated from God for all of eternity. Dear God, let the people of God have a zeal and a passion for the cause of Jesus Christ. Let us not be outdone by a lost and dying world. Let our passion and our zeal outdo anyone or any other cause on earth. Here's a question. What else are you going to do? What else is going to matter? Truth is this. It is all that matters. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come now I'm thankful for the truth of your word. I'm thankful that in it you're teaching us, you're training us, you, you tell us the, the call of discipleship, you tell us the cost of discipleship, but you also give us here in a parable the, the truth that we're to wake up and we're to be zealous and we're to be passionate for your cause and we're not to be outdone by a lost world serving a lost and dying cause. I pray for us in this room today maybe that you've spoken to us and and maybe we would come today with a repentant heart and we would ask you to forgive us where we've gotten off track and where we've been distracted but we would ask that you'd renew us today that we would have a passion and a zeal for the cause of the living God. I pray that we would grow as disciples we would learn as disciples but we would also make other disciples and train them to make other disciples that your kingdom would grow and that you'd be glorified. Help us in that come today and I just praise you that you would count us worthy to serve your cause, messed up people. Redeemed by the blood of Christ that you'd commission us for your cause. Help us in that. Empower us for that. We tell you today we love you again. We praise you again. Help us to be faithful to the cause of Jesus Christ. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.